Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, this morning we're in our series called Not Home Yet. And uh, we're walking through verse by verse the book of 1 Peter. We find ourselves in chapter 5 this morning. And today I want to talk to you a little bit Uh, A message that may be a little bit different, the title of today's message is The Resume of a Good Shepherd. Now, let me just take a poll. How many have ever had to form or examine a resume? You've had to put together your own, or maybe you're a boss, you're you're, you're an executive, and you've had to filter through someone else's resume. You know, fill it out. If you're trying to make up your own resume, that can be sort of uh, that can be sort of challenging. What do I throw in? What do I leave out? What do I really want people to know? Typically, a resume will have things like educational history. Where did you go to school? How long did you go to school? What degree did you receive? Did you go to this school or that school? It'll have achievements you have accomplished. You'll have experiences you've had. You've had. You'll list other places you've served, other things you've done. You'll have references so people can call people that you know, so they will know that you're trustworthy and not crazy. And I would challenge you if you're an executive and you have the privilege of receiving resumes, I've learned to always check people's references, right? And then you usually say, hey, this is what I've done. This is the vision of what I want to do. I talked to you this morning because did you know that Jesus has a very good track record? He has a wonderful resume of being the good shepherd. I mean, he's the good shepherd. And I want you to know this morning that he wants to be your good shepherd as well, your personal shepherd, the ruler of your life, the guider of your life, the provider of your life, the keeper of your life. And this message is very important this morning because not only does Jesus want you to be, he, not only does he want to be your good shepherd, how many want to be like Jesus? As a Christ follower, that's our goal, is to become more and more like him. He's going to increase in my life. Hopefully, I'm going to decrease. And if he's a good shepherd, that means I've been called, you've been called to be a good shepherd of everything that God's placed in your life as well. And there's a really big reason, if you're a mom or a dad, a grandparent, If you're a boss, an employer, you have friendships, relationships, basically all of us, this is very important that we understand our role in being good shepherds as well because Peter's going to tell us, I believe it's in in verse number 8 through 12, somewhere in the neighborhood of chapter 5, he reminds us that the, the enemy, our adversary, the devil, is roaring around, roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I like that song this morning that said, you got to speak to the enemy and tell him you can't have my family because I can tell you, friends, he is on his best effort to rob, to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God has entrusted upon you. But here's the thing. If you will decide, I'm going to be like Jesus, I'm going to be a good shepherd and a good steward, I love how the Bible says he's seeking who he May. Would you say this word with me? May. Right? I'm not talking about the month we're living in. It says he's seeking who he may devour, which means, friend of mine, there's a whole lot of people on planet Earth who he may not devour. And I've just made up my mind for me and my family and our church, we're going to be the ones that he may not devour. Amen? How many of you want to make sure your clan is in those that he may 
not devour. Your home is in the category of those he may not devour. Your finances are in the category of those that he may not devour. Those things that you care for in that category. That's why this message of being a good shepherd is so important. So with that thought in mind, listen to verses 1 through 7. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Here's a command. Be ready. Be shepherds. Not a suggestion. It's a command. Be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care. Now, it's really easy to read that and think, well, that's talking about pastors, and it definitely is. But, but if God has placed things in your care, then that's not just a trophy to flaunt. It is a responsibility to steward. So you have to be shepherds of what is under your care, serving as overseers. Not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. Young men of the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Father, I'm thankful you care for us. I'm thankful you're trustworthy. I'm thankful you have a track record of being a good shepherd. You proclaimed yourself to be and you have proven yourself to be our good shepherd. Help us to follow in your footsteps and be good shepherds to those who you've placed in our care. Help us be good stewards of those things you've placed in our hands. Help us be good ministers to those who are around us. Help me today to preach the word of God that you want us to hear. Help us to hear what the Spirit would say and give us the boldness, courage to respond accordingly. We'll give you thanks. Everybody in the room said amen. I want to talk to you about how you can be a good shepherd. I know Jesus is the good shepherd, but he's calling all of us to be good shepherds under him, being good shepherds to our family, good shepherds over our businesses. And I know there may be someone in the room today, you say, Pastor, you don't understand. This is like my fifth time here, or maybe it's your first time here. I've just, I'm kind of new to Christianity. I'm a new Christ follower. I'm just trying to survive on my own. And friend, can I tell you, that is a fine place to be for a very short season. But eventually the goal is that all of us will be disciples who are being disciple makers. We will all become people who are, who are not just Christians, but who are making new Christians, who are winning others to the Lord, discipling those that come alongside of us. So all of us have been called to be eventually good shepherds. And I believe that responsibility falls upon most of us quicker than we realize it. I don't think you need to be a Jesus follower for five years before you start making disciples. Wow, five of you agree with that point. That's wonderful. The rest of you just, just I'm not, I know you're waiting for me to change my answer. I'm not changing my answer. 
well, you know, someday when I get my degree and my doctorate, when I get to, you know, a little bit more educated and elevated and, and uh, you know, I, I can comb my hair the right way, then I'll start being a witness for the Lord. No, no, no. Right now, every disciple must become a disciple maker. And I know you may be arguing with me, but, but the truth is all of us, we are like, this is a very flattering, but the word says that all of us are like sheep, Right? We need a shepherd. Those who live with you, who love around you, those who do life with you, did you know they need a shepherd as well? I know being a sheep isn't very flattering, but let's just let's admit, how many of you say, you know, I've gone astray before. I've been lost before. How many of you say, there's been some moments when I needed someone to provide for me? Right? He's the good shepherd. Maybe you think there were some moments when I didn't know what to do. I needed guidance. I didn't, I didn't know how to, how to heal myself, restore myself, or keep myself. You needed a good shepherd. And many of us today, you're already serving as a shepherd. You may not realize it or not, but if you're a connect group leader in our house today, you're shepherding people. If you serve on our youth staff and our kids' ministry, you're already shepherding people. If you serve in one of our serve groups today, you are already shepherding people towards Jesus on a weekly basis basis. We are all in the middle of shepherding those around us. The only question is, are we being a good shepherd or an oblivious shepherd? Are we faithfully stewarding those people and plans that God has for us? Or are we just kind of assuming that someone else's job? And if you've been assuming that someone else's job, I hope today you will awaken to the calling that God has called you to be a good shepherd also. So I want to talk to you real quick about how you can become a good shepherd. Here's point number one this morning. A good shepherd stewards what's entrusted to him. Now you'll notice in the point on the screen that good shepherd is not capitalized. Because I've moved from talking about Jesus to now I'm talking about you. Right? This is the responsibility that falls upon us to be good shepherds to those around us. And Peter says, there in verse 1 and 2, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care. So if you have children, friends under your care, then that's you. You know, last week or two weeks ago, um, I won't won't say the name out loud, but some of you are going to know exactly who I'm talking about because you were around the table. A few weeks ago here at the church during the week, I had a young person, one of our children's church kids, asked me this question. They said, they said, she said, Pastor, do you own the church? And I thought, you know, at first I was kind of shocked by the answer that someone would think that I own the church. But then I began to think about it. Well, you know, it does kind of make sense. I mean, I do have a key to the place. I'm up here a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm around a lot. A lot of times people have answers to questions they'll ask me. Of course, I don't ever know the answer. I just tell them to go see Danetta or Addison or someone else. But, but, you know, they usually come to me and ask me all these questions. So, and, and, you know, I have seen some churches where that is the way. The pastor actually owns the building, which is really fun to be in those kind of churches. That's really exciting. But, but I began to tell her, you know, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not the owner. I'm a steward, right? I'm just a steward. I'm just taking care of what actually belongs to the Lord. And the same is true about you. Everything we have in our hands is just an example of what what God has entrusted. It's not really mine. 
Some of you in this room, you have people in your life that call you this wonderful word, dad. Next week is Mother's Day. You have people in your life that call you mom. And I have to remind myself all the time that though I would take on hell with a water pistol for my kids, right? They are mine. You come with my kids, you're going to see a different side of me that you didn't know existed. My kids. You might kick my tail, but it's going to take you all, long, all day long to kick my tail because you mess with my kids, right? But I have to remind myself, they're not really my kids. They're God's kids entrusted to me, right? At some point, I'm going to have to stand before the Lord, and he's going to say, Greg, what'd you do with those girls, Right? I'm a husband, therefore I get to shepherd my household, I get to lead my wife, love my wife, provide for my wife, I'm a husband, but, but you know what, that, all that really does is that, that reveals a place where I'm responsible, right, I'm to shepherd my home, I'm a son, both of my parents have gone on to be with the Lord. So you might think, well, well, since, you're, since your parents are gone on, then, then you are no longer, uh, you know, there, there's no responsibility to them. No, friend of mine, that's completely different. You, I'm still stewarding a legacy of my parents, and so are you. We are shepherding everything that God's put in our hands, whether it's, whether it's the people that God placed before us, the gifts that God's put in us, or the people we have around us. I'm a pastor. I'm stewarding a church, not my church, not your church, though I hope you do tell people, hey, why don't you come to my church because that proves a little bit of ownership. But ultimately, we are all making up his church, right? I'm a preacher, so I have to steward the word of God. I'm a boss, so I have to steward a wonderful staff. I'm a Christian, friend, come on. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. It's not just a mark on my check, a check mark on my Facebook page. I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are too, then you are stewarding the witness of Jesus Christ. You are shepherding the witness of Jesus Christ. You are the picture of Jesus Christ in 2023 to Cabot, Arkansas, and the surrounding area. We're not just existing. We are shepherds and stewards of everything that God has placed. In our hands. Lord, forgive us when we think my life is mine and only about mine. Lord, forgive me when I forget that I'm not my own. I've been bought. I've been purchased. I've been, I've been secured, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. I've been called to shepherd people. I've been called to shepherd opportunities. And so have you. We just have to decide if I'll be a good shepherd or a shepherd that's just oblivious to what God's put in my life. Here's the second thing about a good shepherd. A good shepherd serves willingly. Look at verse number two. Not because you must, but because you're willing. The good shepherd was our example in John chapter 10. He said, no one takes my life from me, 
Listen, if you've ever had a victim mentality when it comes to Jesus, if you think Jesus was taken by the hand and drugged to a cross he didn't want to go to and nailed to a cross because he couldn't get out of it, no, friends, at just the mention of his voice, 10,000 angels or more could have come to his assistance. But the word says that no one takes my life, Jesus said, but I, I lay it down of my own accord. Why? Because he loved his heavenly Father and he loved you and I. He loved the humanity of the world and he wanted to see them redeemed. So he said, listen, I'm not doing this because my dad is making me. I'm doing this because I love my father and I love his people. And so I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing because I, I want to out of love. John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, how many understand the good shepherd doesn't have to lay down his life for the sheep? He can cut bait and run. That's called being a hireling instead of a shepherd. There's scripture for that too, a whole different message I could talk about. But that's, that's what a shepherd does. Peter says, and you don't, you don't lay down your life, you don't sacrifice, you don't serve, you don't love God, you don't love the church, you don't do all these things because someone tells you you have to. You do it because you're willing. I'm going to pick on someone this morning. In our house... We have labeled this the Corey Kruger scripture, right? I just want to embarrass the fool out of somebody. I know you're not supposed to say the word fool, so please forgive me, but Corey, would you just stand up and wave at people? He's way back there in the corner. He just needs to thoroughly get embarrassed, right? Corey leads our connect group ministry. He plays drums on Sundays for us, and if you've ever heard him speak, which he does in our men's group. He speaks at our life group, our connect group meetings. If you've ever heard him speak, somewhere when he's speaking, you're probably going to have this phrase come out. You're going to hear this phrase come out of his mouth that everything we do for God is a get-to thing, not a have-to thing. Yeah. Right? And Corey, if you preach, if you share, if you speak a hundred more times, I hope you say that statement a hundred more times. Because it's so important that we understand that a good shepherd serves willingly. I'm not doing what I'm doing because I have to. I'm doing it because I, I get to. Because God has made a difference in my life. One person said it like this. If you're serving God, you're not doing it for the income. You're doing it for the outcome. You're doing it as a reflection of what God has poured in, in you. Now you, wanna, you want it to flow out of you. Good shepherds serve willingly. You know, Jesus said... Be careful when you do what you do because you have to. And be careful if you do what you do because you just want a little bit of applause or attention for it. He said, because if you just do what you're doing because you want people to notice you, that's not being a good shepherd. If you're just doing that because you're hoping for some kind of personal accolade from that, Jesus said, you know what, you get your reward immediately. If someone notices what you gave, they noticed how you serve. If you're doing it in hopes that someone notices what you're doing, if that's the reason you're doing it and you're hoping that someone will clap for you, as soon as they're done clapping, your reward for that service is over. But if you're doing it from, from a heart of God, if you're doing it from a heart that says, I just want to please my maker. I just want to please my savior. I just want to be a good shepherd of what God has placed in my hand. If you're doing it out of a heart of pleasing God, can I tell you, when they start clapping, your reward is beginning. But when they're done clapping, your reward is still going on and on and on throughout eternity because it's impossible to outgive God when you do it from a heart that's willing to be a shepherd. 
I'm praying, God, let us be a house full. Let us continue to be a house full of people who are serving God because they want to, not because they have to. And if you today are serving God in any capacity out of a heart of obligation instead of a heart of willingness, the way to fix that is not to quit or resign your post of service. The solution is to get on your knees and pray, God, change my heart. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Let me see fresh and new how much you've done for me. And once you see how much God has done for you, the, the, the attitude will change and the result will be you will get up from your knees saying, what can I do for God today? Number three, a good shepherd leads by example. Not lording it over those entrusted you, but be an example to the flock. I just want to drive this home with a few more scriptures. First Corinthians, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. Paul told Timothy in first, uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12, he said, don't let anyone look down upon you because you're young, but instead set an example for them. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 17, Paul says, Join with others in following my example. A good shepherd does not just bark commands. He serves as an example of what Jesus wants people to do. I want to clarify this morning. When we're being examples for God, we are not supposed to set the example of what we want people to do. We set the example of what Jesus is doing. Right? It's not about what we want to see. It's about what we see. You know, Jesus was the master of this in John chapter 13 at the Last Supper. We partake communion quite a bit as a congregation, but you know, before communion was ever served at the Last Supper, what took place was Jesus put on an apron and he washed the disciples' feet, which was the most lowly, position and deed anyone could do. And then when he got done washing their feet, he said this word to them. He said, now, as I've done unto you as an example, you do to each other. See, a good shepherd, he always presents the example. A platform or a position is not an opportunity for us to tell people the way. It's an opportunity for us to show people the way. And we show them by their example. And I was writing this down. I began to pray. Lord, in the last six years since I've been in Cabot, have I been just telling people the way? Or have I been showing people the way? And the truth is, I can't answer that. Only, only each of you individually can answer on, on what I've done or how I've done. And I really don't need your answer this morning. I just want to know this. My, my heart is this. The Lord, let me always be a person who shows the example and not just tells the example. Here's the fourth thing, your favorite part. You've been waiting on this all morning, I know. Here it comes. A good shepherd knows he or she will give an account. Look at verse number four. And when the chief shepherd appears. How many understand the day is coming when the chief shepherd will appear? The chief shepherd is coming. 
And if we are good shepherds of what he's put in our hands, the first four says, then you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. The Apostle Paul used the, the picture of running a race and competing in athletics over and over again. And he said, look how people train in the physical to receive a crown that is going to perish. It's going to be presented one day, but the joy of that is gone the next day. He said, but you and I, we are going to receive a crown that will never perish. It will never fade away. The glory never diminishes, diminishes but it's for eternity. Listen, the good shepherd realizes, we as good shepherds must realize that someday we will give an account for what God has put in our hands. Think about Think about uh, the parable that Jesus told about shepherds. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one wanders off, what does it say? He'll leave the 99 and go after the one. Right? Most of us know that. Do you understand how how detailed oriented you have to be just to notice that one sheep wandered away I mean if I get up from the campfire and I look over the valley I say one two they keep moving one two three that looks like a hundred right looks like a hundred to me that's good right but no no a good shepherd is so detailed he counts one two three as a matter of fact I've done a little bit of reading I've discovered that in those days, many times, the shepherd actually had a name for every sheep. Not like Herbert, Mike, and James, but, but like if there was some sort of physical uniqueness about them. The shepherd so knew his sheep that he could come up with nicknames for each of them because of details about their, about their life. And he knew instantly, hey... That one's not here this morning. That one's gone today. He cared. Well, why, why did he care? Why did he pay such attention? Why did he leave the 99 and go after the one? Well, pastor, because he loved his sheep. Yes. But also because he knew if you take, if you take 100 out, you better bring 100 back. Right? Pastor Addison takes 30 kids The youth retreat, and he comes back with 29, most parents aren't going to be satisfied with that. There might be one that might say, praise God. He, but, but most parents, most parents want to get back what they sent out. But let me take it a step further. When you're a shepherd, you're, it's not your job to bring back what was sent out with you. Because sheep are supposed to multiply when they're in the field. So a good shepherd wasn't trying to get a hundred sheep out and a hundred sheep back. He was trying to get a hundred sheep out, let them multiply. Here's another thing. He wasn't just trying to keep them together. He was hoping that they would grow. Because the chief shepherd didn't want to return to scrawny sheep. He wanted sheep that were healthy, that their value had increased and not Greek. Decrease. I'm just saying that, that a good shepherd knows he would give account. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, Understand that we must all, 
Huge word, A-L-L. Three letters long, but it's huge. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and each of us give account for the deeds that we've done in this body. Matthew chapter 16, 27. Jesus said, for the Son of Man is coming. He's going to come in His Father's glory with His angels. And then we, He will reward each person according to what He has done. A good shepherd knows that I am keeping what's entrusted me for a season, and then I have to give it back. And when I give it back, it needs to be better than when I took it. It needs to be not just better, but, but bigger, better, healthier, enriched. When I give account for, my, for how I raised my girls, I'm not gonna, I don't think the Lord's going to ask me, Greg, did you take them to church every Sunday? I think he's going to ask me, did you take him to church? Sure, that's, that's, that's a great beginning. But how about this? Did the environment in my home the other six days match the environment of the presence of God on that one day? Right? It's like we, 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 expect, we expect the church to be a microwave. We just pop them in one time a week and they... Psh. Right? No, no, no. We are shepherds. We, we have to... Tend to our flock. That's a present tense. Tend to those that God has granted you. Tend to those opportunities that God has granted you. Tend to those people that God has placed around you. Tend to those friends beside you at school. Tend to those people along the assembly line with you. Shepherd them every single day. Those are relationships that God has placed in your care, and it's our job to shepherd them. Because we're going to all give an account for it. Number five, Megan, if you want to come. A good shepherd knows help is available. It's a tall order to shepherd people around you because some of you, you work with people that don't want to be shepherded. Some of you live with people. You have people that, that, that God has placed under you. You know they're part of your assignment and they have no interest at all in becoming more like Jesus. And you've been called to shepherd them anyway. I wish, I shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm going to. I wish God had called me to only shepherd people that wanted to be shepherded. Not every sheep that's placed in a shepherd's care is instantly, instantly in love with that shepherd. Sometimes they don't like the shepherd at all. Sometimes they think he smells funny. And he might do it. Sometimes they're just, they're just, they're sheep. They do what sheep do. They, they wander, they squander. They, and and that, God, just give me, just give me people that, that like me and want to be with me. And, you know, when, when they burp, it smells like fragrance. You know, it's just, just give me the, it's just not, maybe God will do that for you, but. That's not how he's treated me. Now, we're not talking about you, right? I know all of you. You are perfect. You're wonderful. You're, you, you're the answer to my prayer, but, but not everyone's been like you, okay? This is why I have notes, so I don't get myself in messes like I'm in right now. But here's what I'm saying. The good shepherd, a good shepherd knows that there's help available. Several years ago, I was taking a test. I had missed, I had missed the test. Um, for, for sickness or something, I don't know. 
And so I was having to do a makeup exam. So I was in this professor's classroom by myself, taking this exam. And he walked by my desk about 20 or 30 minutes into it, and he looked down at my paper, and he saw what I wrote. And he kind of looked over me and said, that's not what we're looking for. And walked away. You know what he did in that moment? He was testing me, but he was also helping me. He didn't tell me what to do. He just said, that's not it. So, you know, I did. I erased my paper. I realized he wasn't being mean to me. He was trying to help me. So I erased it. And I wrote in something else. And he walked by like 10 minutes later and said, did you know your Heavenly Father he has placed a lot of responsibility on us to be good shepherds. But he has not just said, now y'all go have fun with that. He is here to help us. He has, spent, he has sent the Holy Spirit to help us. Psalm chapter 14 says, The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and kind in all of his deeds. And the Lord is near to all who will call upon him. The hard truth is none of us have in ourselves what it takes to be a good shepherd. That's, that's the bad news. But the good news is, you haven't been called to do it on your own. You haven't been equipped to do it on your own. The Holy Spirit comes along you and He equips you, He guides you, He teaches you how to be a good shepherd to those He's entrusted to you. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning because I want to pray for you before we go. But I want to ask a couple of questions. Number one, Perhaps you are fully aware that you have been entrusted with a task that's bigger than you. Shepherding your kids is bigger than you. Shepherding your family is bigger than you. Shepherding your job is bigger than you. Shepherding a ministry, whatever that is, is bigger than you. Shepherding relationships that God has given you with, with believers and unbelievers is bigger than you. And maybe you feel like you're failing. Maybe you feel like you have failed. Here's good news. There's help for you. The Holy Spirit of God wants to come in, and He wants to help you, enable you, equip you to do with Him what you can't do on your own, and that is be a good shepherd to your friends, to your family, to everything that God has placed in your life. He's just waiting for you to say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. Did you, did you hear what Peter said? He said, God opposes those who are proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you will just be humble enough to say, God, I need you, his grace will come in, his power will come in and give you the wisdom, the knowledge, the power, the energy, the wisdom, whatever it is, to do what you can't do on your own. My prayer is this morning, each of us will commit to being the best shepherd we can be. God, I just want to be a good shepherd over my friends, over my kids, over everything you would put in my care. I just want to be a good shepherd. If that's you this morning, you're like me, say, Pastor, I want to be a good shepherd. Would you just join me by standing today? I want us to close this service today by praying and asking the Lord to help us do what we can't do on our own. And that is be a good shepherd, a good steward of everything he's placed in our, in our care.
Would you lift up your hearts with me this morning? Maybe you want to lift up your hands. Will you just say, God, help me? Lord, help me. Lord, show me your ways. Show me your wisdom. Show me your strength. Show me your power. God, reveal to me how I've blown it and how I've messed up. Messed up. Lord, maybe I've been doing things my way instead of your way. Maybe I've been more like a sheep instead of following the shepherd. Maybe I've been thinking like sheep think instead of trying to figure out how to the shepherd think and what you want me to do. God, help me today. I just, Lord, I humble myself before you and I pray that you will lift me up and make me into everything you want me to become. Come on, church. He is ready to answer your prayer this morning. He's ready to give you. He's ready to give you answers. He's ready to give you wisdom. He's ready to give you power. He's ready to give you exactly what you need this morning. If you'll just call out to him, come on, let's spend another, just another 30 seconds asking him this morning. Let him hear your voice today. Lord, help us today. Lord, pour into our hearts, our minds, and our spirit exactly what we need. Lord, if we have been serving out of a heart of obligation, God, I pray you'll refresh us this morning and let us serve not out of, out of have to, let us serve out of get to. Let us serve out of the love we have for our Father. Let us serve out of the, the inflow of the Spirit. Let us serve out of, the, out of this, the privilege of being part of the kingdom of God. Help us do that this morning. God, I pray for those that they just feel like they have been total failures in their own right and their own efforts. God, I pray today they would step into something better than their strength and their power. I pray they would strengthen, step into your strength and your power in this moment today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you receive that word today, would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word? Father, we love you. We love you. We love you, Lord. Hey, it's uh, 12, I'm sorry, 11:22. If no one's told you yet they love you, let me be the first to tell you I love you. God bless you. Thanks for being part of the assembly. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to greet you and meet you. Put a, guest in your, a gift in your hand. I'll be on the front porch in about 30 seconds. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. We love you. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.